0: Okay, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Energy Markets podcast. It is November 20th, Monday, November 20th, and we're seeing oil markets open uh, a little stronger again in Asia this morning uh, with uh, WTI, which I know Omar follows closely at 7663, uh, uh, and, and Brent now solidly back above 80 uh, 81 uh, and change. Uh, let's kick off as always on Monday morning with Omar Najia, global head of derivatives at BB Energy. Omar, you more or less mapped out last Monday what was going to happen: uh, continue to the downside to around uh, 72, and then the next 20 or 30 dollar move. I think you said would be to the upside. Uh, WTI got down to 72.90 on the close on November 16th and has been climbing since. Is this the the start of the big $20, 30 move you had uh, noted last Monday?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think possibly. I think possibly, yes. There There is an outside chance, I think, that you know we need a, just one more new low, maybe like $69, something like that. But from that, from that for me, if WTI is saying about 77 dollars call it if it can manage to get to 82 then I think basically the odds are that the move up has already started so that would be WTI to Brown Brentford around, uh, Brent around uh, 85 dollars so yes I'm 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 definitely bullish I'm definitely bullish long term um the question is is it from here or one more new low and and the odds are basically from here um, you have a, uh, you know, I think the world is inflationary. I'm also bullish equities. I'm also bullish, you know, I th- I think the world is inflationary basically, so yes, uh higher in a word.
0: Let's welcome Malia Bengali, founder, MB Commodity Corner. Malia. this is the week uh we start. It's clearly a run into OPEC plus uh meeting at the end of this week. Uh, in Vienna, first in person meeting for some time, the markets have taken uh, some wind in the sails from commentary regarding OPEC plus that uh, unsourced names, but those close to all of that sort of stuff indicating that OPEC plus may uh, spring a deeper cut than currently is in the portfolio. What sort of week does it look like for you and what do you think OPEC plus should be looking at to sort of determine their uh, plans for the new year? (laughs)
2: Thank you, Sean. Yes, you're absolutely right. The market has had a nice 15 to 20% pullback, but I think it's very interesting because they've actually been saying they're going to extend their cuts to the end of the year and possibly into 2024. So the big question is, what are they going to do or say that's different from what we already know? The problem is the market actually come back to the levels they were in July before they added that 1 million pounds per day lollipop cut. In our opinion, I think they've got the market wrong. There's a massive global economic cycle reshift that's happening right now and that's affecting demand, not supply. And I think most people right now, the biggest dichotomy is that between the soft landing, hard landing narrative, and it will be interesting to see what the demand is, because the demand has been softer than expected and the supply has been picking up. We think that they should probably keep things as is because the more they change and alter the prices, the more it will be more volatile for the equity market, for the oil market. And um, it will be probably proved to be a disaster if they cut another one or two million barrels per day, because at the end of the day, the global economic cycle demand is very weak. And we were talking about the last few months. And I think that's where the disconnect is.
0: Where the rubber meets the road on all of these things, uh, uh, as they say, we don't put crude oil in our car. Let's welcome Kieran Gallagher, Managing Director of Vital Bahrain. Kieran, welcome back to the table. I I have one small but very big question for you uh, is trying to make sense of the global uh, products market. I have to say I'm pretty confused uh, as to whether it's in bad shape or good shape. A headline out of Reuters over the weekend that uh, China gasoline exports fell 20% uh, because inevitably driving across China during the Golden Week holiday was up 71%. Russia is or is not exporting products, diesel and so forth. I don't know where you would start in giving a global synopsis that the Gulf states, the El Sur refinery was out of action. Is it back up? I mean, can you give us some sort of a global picture as clearly now we're in a kind of a a global products market? If you might give us a view as we go into the end of the year where it's at.
3: Yeah, morning, Sean. Uh, Yeah, that's quite a a broad ranging. uh, It is, it is. uh, but I guess I where guess would you start starting... to
0: try and get a sense of tightness or not in the products market as we go into the winter months?
3: Yeah, you're right. I think just to pick up on a point that you you mentioned there about about China, perhaps that um, the lower MoGas exports were were expected because of that uh, domestic demand increase. We we did see a bit of a spike in diesel exports though in in the month of November uh probably see that tapering off a little bit now. I think on the on the Chinese side, we're probably looking at at some of the heavy industry data, et cetera. It looks a little bit unseasonably sluggish. and therefore, you know it's it's not um, uh, I think I think there's there's reasons to be concerned about that chinese market and and therefore uh, you know it, it continues to attract a huge amount of focus. I think closer to to where we are here, obviously, uh, there's continued um, refinery issues, and as you as you pointed to, there was there was an issue in Alzur last week. Uh, some of the, the bigger refineries are are sort of coming out of turnarounds, but we've seen some um, delays in that, and therefore you know a lot of the a lot of the volatility we see like uh, Singapore gasoil cracks last week. You know there was some. There were some days where there was four dollar barrel volatility and cracks, but a lot of that is headline driven around refinery refinery issues. Uh, but a lot, you know, said it's, it's quite a broad question. But you know, you got to go back. You know, we're going into uh, winter. That you know, all eyes go towards the middle distillate market. Uh, it has been unseasonably warm in in Europe. You know, October was, I believe, the the fifth warmest on record, and so despite. Uh, very uh, low, uh, gas oil stocks globally. Uh, it's been so warm that that uh, the, the stock situation has probably been a little discounted. So any cold snap, there's obviously more volatility to come. Uh, but you know, as we as we look into 2024, you can't ignore the the refinery capacity that that's coming back online in in the next month or two. Um, the, so, diesel jet fuel should uh, the, the supply into Europe should start to pick up. As I say, we're kind of looking closely at China because the, the economic situation is, is concerning, and, and therefore, we could see a healthier export program. Before the uh, Chinese New Year, towards end of January, etc. So a big, a big question mark uh, hanging over the products market. I mean, I point.
0: ultimately ask it, uh, Kieran, because a year ago uh, we had that sort of very tight diesel market going into the winter, particularly in the northeast of the US. Uh, there was a uh, there was a global sense to the stress, uh, and that these are no longer sort of separate markets. Uh, in a way, they're they they're they've gone sort of global in the sense that oil is fungible across the world, uh, 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 the middle distillate's similar. Is that an accurate perception or is that off, do you think?
3: Well, the, the world has had time to readjust for the loss of Russian gas, I think, and therefore what you've seen, and you said, you referenced the, the northeast of the U.S., you know there was uh, there was switching there in terms of um, heating homes etc like that gas to oil switching and there there continues to be but as I said weather plays a, a huge uh, part in that this time of year right up until uh, up until the month of February so you know we've got to a, got a watch the forecast. but I think you know as I said the world's had time to adjust to that shock of the uh, which followed the the Russian invasion to Ukraine.
0: So Omar when you take that into consideration the the you know the inflation story as you say the that at least from an energy point of view that these prices at these levels even if OPEC gives it an extra bump this week where the rubber meets the road on the middle distillates and products uh, it seems that those levels are not going to be putting greater challenge to the central bankers to have to go back to more rates that, that they won't be that inflationary over this winter. Your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, look, I think if, if you're saying oil prices are products, cheap, products, diesel product prices, so product yeah. prices are very cheap in real terms. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's very simple, right? So you have inflation. I think, Um, You know, uh, if you look at inflation adjusted prices for oil or whether it be crude or any product, basically, they are cheap. Okay, so your McDonald's went up a dollar or 10 or seven or whatever it is. Oil just did not. So I don't think there's an argument for, you know, demand destruction, which was, you know, all the rage, I think, this year. Um, So the question is, basically, do you think so we've heard about, um, you know, soft landing and hard landing, and I think the world's been waiting for this landing for like over a year now, right? So, what do you what 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 is likely to happen? Is it, you know, it's 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 a simple thing, right? If markets, if you get a sense of risk on and inflation, right, then plus or minus everything goes up. Be it gold, be it Bitcoin, be it oil, be it the S and P, all the rest of it. If you're in the th- in in the thinking that you know everything is slowing down and you know. Um, you know, this economy is looking bad and that economy is looking bad, then you're on the side of, you know, equities falling, uh, oil is not going to hold up because demand is not going to be there and we're going to collapse and, you know, $50 oil and all this kind of stuff. I, I believe the exact opposite, basically. I think the world is inflationary. I think the S&P is going to set New all time high. I think Bitcoin is showing us that the market is very risk-on. I think that there's so and is much- that
0: ultimately driven, Omar, by the liquidity that the central bank, particularly the Fed, has pumped into the markets over well, the last course. 10 years. That despite yeah, yeah. any sense of interest rate rises, this is a flooded market of liquidity how everywhere.
1: Can, how can how can how can you have basically interest rates at that uh, whatever they are, five percent? That's that's gonna do absolutely nothing to, to I mean. You have, to, you, you have to remember that in order to kind of um, um, stop inflation, a lot of these, a lot of the big companies, they basically sold debt forwards at tiny interest rates. So anything that they have, which is above 1%, they're actually making money. It's an inflationary thing for them. They can basically use that money to buy stock, to do whatever it is that they want to do. But that's why you have basically these two caps. You have basically the, the large corporations are saying, uh, you know, everything is hunky-dory, blah, 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 because they use debt markets to basically place all their debts. And so they don't care if interest rates are 5%. And you have the small businesses or people who can't use debt markets have to go to a bank who are saying, oh, you know, it's really, really hard and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, you, ha- you have to also remember that, you know, the world is going through major changes, right? You have this this concept of the dollar you have u.s debt which is basically skyrocketing the deficit this year is seven trillion is is, sorry two trillion right so two trillion dollars and and the interest on the debt is over a trillion dollars so basically you're paying that to the market how is that anything to do with deflationary it's massively inflationary and if they push up rates more it'll be even more inflationary. The the U.S. is basically... So so I'm basically bearish the U.S. dollar. And I think that whatever the U.S. does, be it cut rates, increase rates, or whatever, the problem is that they don't address spending. And spending is not going to stop anytime soon because it's a political thing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that flows into all commodities, whether it be oil or gold or or Bitcoin. So I, I am actually bullish. Malia, your thoughts on
0: that? I mean, ultimately, everybody's trying to figure out. I mean, obviously, this week, it's what OPEC's going to do. But in the bigger picture, what OPEC's trying to figure out is what's going on in the American economy? How how big an oil price can it handle? It's defying all gravity. Your thought there's no hard landing. There's no soft landing. There's just no landing. Uh I heard a very interesting data point over the weekend uh, you know, tr- tr- You're grappling with trying to understand why the U.S. economy is immune to 500 basis points. Uh, one reason, which I thought was quite interesting, 40% of U.S. homeowners are debt-free. They have no mortgage because... Most properties in America, and the most, the biggest bulk of owner is with the baby boomers, who are, of course, in retirement now, and they're all loaded. Your thoughts of why the American economy isn't landing and where OPEC should read into that as they make decisions?
2: Thank you, Sean. Omar made a very, very good point. The problem is that the US Federal, you know, US Fed and the Treasury are playing these games with money markets and TGAs and reserve repos. They keep pumping liquidity to the market. They have a massive fiscal spending deficit. And the US economy, the reason why we haven't seen this landing, so to speak, is because by dynamics, we've delayed the cycle by eight to 10 months. All the post COVID spending has been filtering through to the US consumer till September this year. So only until October have we started seeing the US consumer slowing down. But most of the mortgages have been refinanced for 25 years on long term basis. So the US market is not as bad as perhaps the European mortgage market or the UK mortgage market will see a lot more refinancing at higher rates. Having said that, take a look at property prices right now. They've started to fall. The CRE market in the US has been seeing massive mark-to-market. Most people are holding on to the property portfolios, hoping that the Fed is going to cut rates, and that's the expectation. People are rallying Bitcoin or gold or other assets right now in anticipation of the Fed having seen peaked inflation and going to be providing more QE or cutting rates, and this is why the cycle is getting extended. Now, having said that, yes, inflation has been coming down, but the longer OPEC keeps cutting production and keeping oil prices higher, the embedded inflation in the market is going to be higher, which makes the Feds work harder. And we spoke about that a month ago, the Fed foot versus the OPEC foot, and that will make a job harder. But even though rates stay at 5% plus, there is a massive disconnect between the big companies that are very cash rich and the small companies that are going bankrupt. At some point, there's going to be a massive spillover effect, right? So the bigger getting bigger... But you know, Omar made a very good point. Every time we see rates being very restrictive, they keep pumping liquidity in to keep the economy running. We saw the US regional bank crisis where every time we got a hiccup, they threw two trillion dollars more at the problem. The Fed balance sheet is going down, but the backdoor stealth QE keeps going higher. And this is the games that Yellen and the U.S. Fed is playing right now. But yes, inflation will be higher for longer, but the market right now thinks that another cut's going to come. Where does the cycle end? Fiat money is completely useless. And another sort of spending surge or printing will take any sort of dollar down and all these assets higher. So there is that risk. The only question is, do we get the economic recovery? And the more and more we spend, that money is going towards paying off the fiscal debt interest, not actually going to the economy. So it's a very interesting disconnect. But you are spot on, right? There is a risk that inflation comes back to haunt us because the Fed has no choice but to lower rates. Or well, it certainly money. will.
0: It'll be interesting to see. The OPEC will be meeting after the this week is also Thanksgiving in the United States, Correct. and the, the day after Thanksgiving is that big spending till you're dead day, you know, a, a shop till you drop kind of day, which is a very big data point, the guide, the health of the U.S. economy uh, and OPEC are meeting after that data point emerges. It usually emerges in some kind of a real-time format uh, uh, and then is consolidated later. Kieran, I wanted to get your thoughts on the recent sort of apparent re-emergence of the U.S. Treasury Department's determination to sanction uh, violators of the oil price cap and carrying of Russian crude. The U.S. Treasury Department said at the end of last week that it had charged three tankers with violating Russian oil sanctions and warning letters to 30 more shippers. Your thoughts on that sort of what appears to be from out of left field, they suddenly want to have teeth in these sanctions. Will it make an impact? Will it dent this uh, volumes of Russian crude still getting to the market? Your thoughts on the outlook for the enforcement of sanctions, both against Russia and Iran?
3: I think it's it's a, a reminder, uh, Sean, and you know as I said uh, to your previous question, you know, it's it's been quite a long time now since the, since the initial conflict uh, and and those sanctions came in, into being, and uh, we do see it from time to time on the Iranian side as well that U.S. treasuries step in and and sanction, and that that's a kind of stark reminder that. They are they are uh, monitoring the market they are monitoring these loadings they're monitoring the the owners that choose to lift and they're uh, monitoring those that uh, well let's say they're monitoring the price caps and and therefore how they go on to enforce it is is obviously remains to be seen uh, it's certainly it's, it's headline grabbing and uh, will it though will it uh, disturb the flows I'm not so sure I think there's a, uh, we have seen large fleets dedicated to that uh, that particular business, and, and
0: uh, well, it's not just a, we'll, it's not just what they call the dark fleet. We're seeing, according to Kepler, the data marine intelligence firm, that 30 percent of Russian exports from Western ports are still using commercial shipping with beneficial ownership within the European Union. These are not dark fleets. These are. Any, I don't know what you call them, but ultimately mainstream. No,
3: indeed. Uh, and, you know, obviously, uh, Kepler, Bloomberg, we, we ourselves, we, we do our own tracking, and and therefore, you know, uh, these price caps are coming into question in, in terms of um, some of the fixtures. But it's very difficult to, you know, when you're not a part of it, which we're not, uh, then it's very difficult to sort of monitor exactly how how that's uh, that's coming into being but i think that's as i said it's a it's a reminder from the treasury that uh, they're following and, and obviously the the sanctions or the fines that they when when they follow through uh, can be quite large so it's going to be interesting given the headlines of the last week you know do we do we see less uh, uh eu owners willing to to perform those voyages
0: Yeah, it will be. It's sort of. uh, I wonder how these are all tied into um, the performance in in in, you know on the battlefield, so to speak, uh, which hasn't. uh, really been progressing as Ukraine or the Western Alliance might like. And so trying to tighten in on Russia, I don't know if they're related, but ultimately it is a reminder. Ultimately, as you say, let's get this survey question uh, up and, and, and it's sort of the outlook of the week, obviously, but the question is, do you expect OPEC plus to deliver deeper oil supply cuts than just rollover of the current portfolio for Q1? uh the the indication from the noise last week was no no it's going to be more than just the rollover but uh, i'm wondering uh what's the view in the room and obviously we'll post it do you expect opec plus to deliver deeper i.e more oil supply cuts than just the rollover of the current regime uh, uh when they meet obviously this week and, and and plan for the first quarter um expect more yes or no Uh, looking into the week ahead, Omar, uh, your thoughts on, on the direction of travel here. uh, You were quite clear last week in your views that there was going to test more to the downside. Uh, You seem to be hedging a little bit this week, your thoughts as to the direction of travel going into an uncertain OPEC action. One might be, uh, you know, more long than short.
1: Uh, I I wouldn't be short. uh, You know, I wouldn't be short into winter, I wouldn't be short into year end. I wouldn't be short in a you know a U.S. election year. Um, so I don't think anybody's going to stop spending. I don't think the Fed's going to do anything except um, inflate. Um, you know, it, I mean, if you really think about it, if if the U.S. has such a massive debt, how's it going to pay it? The only way to pay it is by inflating it away, which means a weaker U.S. dollar which means basically commodities in general not that there's a direct correlation but in general tend to get uh you know more expensive and i think people are looking um you know where what do you do with what what do what do funds what do people what what does a a market that's very financialized with oil uh do uh do they actually come and say you know what um we're going to sell it here because you know it's going to be you know warm or not warm or or nothing's going to happen, or you know, let's let's just be short. Or do they say we're coming into winter geopolitically? Everything's up in the air. You've got a U.S. election. Everybody's gone nuts. So and and OPEC clearly wants to defend the price. So we want to be long rather than short. I think that's that's the direction. I think that's the direction on most markets actually, except for U.S. treasuries and the dollar. Malia,
0: your thoughts. Malia, your thoughts again. Uh, looking. Uh, to the question on the survey, uh, ultimately, uh, oil prices rebounded in June when OPEC plus added to their cuts with the, you know, voluntary, as they called it, the Saudi in particular, 1 million barrel a day. Uh, looking uh, uh, into uh, the noises last week, they sort of caught that downward draft with some noises that more was coming. Your thoughts on whether more is necessary going into the first quarter to to sort of remain a tightness in the market uh, or could a rollover deliver 80 plus?
2: I think there'll be a lot of positive job jawboning into the event itself because as we see, that's what they typically do. So the shorts will be covering into that meeting in December. So I would not be short oil here. Having said that, I think what they will do is In my opinion, they'll probably roll over the cuts. It's a bit precarious to cut more because winter is just starting. We do not know what winter demand is going to be, and this can move the balances quite a bit. They'll probably leave it open by saying, oh, we're going to roll it over, but we're open to cut more if we need to, keeping the market a bit more on its toes right now. The fact that most of the speculation have actually liquidated their long position, people are a bit short right now, going to winter, I think the risk is probably more on the upside than downside into the event per se, but we do not think they'll do a deeper cut. If they do, then it'll make their market a lot harder in the long term. It'll just be another spike will be it off. So I think that's what we
0: think is going to happen. Let's get the survey result uh, uh, on that question. Um, uh, so no, OPEC to expect to deliver deeper supply cuts. No. Uh, Kieran, your thoughts on that, where the balance in the market is. I mean, uh, clearly there's been uh, more supply, maybe than expected. The U.S. now at record levels, above thirteen, and 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 doesn't seem to be stopping there. We've got obviously Venezuela back in the market, uh, and we've got obviously increased quotas coming from the likes of the UAE. So uh, supply seems to be uh, relatively abundant. Uh, would a rollover g- give the balance uh, in that, if you think for the first quarter? I mean, it is where we, we, I mean, Malia mentions we, we're still in winter, but we're talking about January uh, supply quotas, uh, which are delivered into the spring. So we're going into the weaker window of the year uh, when we talk about next steps for OPEC. Plus. What do you think they need to do to keep a balance and a tightness in the market with a Brent above 80?
3: Well, I think, you know, we're coming to a time of year, Sean, where people are looking into 2024, you know, how is the market going to look, et cetera. And, you know, there is, there's, as you mentioned there, there's a Venezuelan coming back to market uh, in general, the supply is is fairly healthy, but we've also got increased supply coming from Brazil and Guyana in, in 2024 that's sort of looming large. And therefore it, it's like, I think the expectation will Will OPEC Plus be forced into deeper cuts? You know, I think this this week will will tell a lot. I think that the, I think we need to watch also the scale where the managed money is. You know, an awful lot of managed money length came out between um, the seventh and the fourteenth of November. I think nine thousand lots of of net length came out of the market, and that was a sell-off purely because of concerns over over the amount of um, over the amount of supply. Can that go in again uh, following next week's meeting? Quite possibly. You know, we need to watch that. But it feels, I think, if you go back to the beginning of last week, you know, there was there was sort of general expectation that OPEC plus may be forced into a roll rollover, which uh, now that feels more real. And, and the big question is this week: could they could they cut further? But if they cut further, I think it's got to go beyond Saudi Arabia. I think a, a few of the other countries need to need to cut with them. Uh, Saudi have done a lot on their own. And so the, the expectation perhaps is what the other big producers like the UAE or Kuwait are willing to do in order to support those prices.
0: Omar, I want to finish with you to touch on the, the thorny subject uh, asked of the U.S. Uh, Middle East envoy Amos Hochstein over the weekend Uh, about uh, the weaponizing of oil exports, uh, given the uh, Israeli bombardment of Gaza. Uh, He's expressed confidence that the Arab states won't weaponize oil. In the reporting at the end of last week, Reuters and others, when they were were reporting that OPEC could go further, one of the reasons in the Reuters reporting was because uh, of the unhappiness, obviously, the, the, there's a lot of anger in the Arab world about the, the scale of, of the Israeli massacres. Uh, that 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 is feeding into the thinking. That's what the Reuters reporting says. What are your thoughts on that creeping in as this sort of uh, sort of genocide, or what we'll call it, whatever one sees it as it is, uh, continues over the coming weeks?
1: I think basically what's going to happen is that the uh, global majority, global South, whatever you want to call it, I think they're going to go to the ICC. I think they're going to go to the UN General Assembly and try and push for a resolution. There was one, uh, the Mautiz one, out of the UN Security Council, and they're going to basically continue to pressure Israel and the US. I think what's going to happen eventually is that you're going to get basically a Uh, some kind of um, uh, global meeting, some kind of, uh, you know, ICC kind of pressure. And I think you're going to see the uh, uh, US shoved out by, um, you know, um, Russia, China, whatever, in terms of uh, having anything to do with, not having anything to do, but but having like a leading role to play with, with the Middle East. So eventually you could very well see uh, kind of a uh, uh, some kind of binding resolution out of somewhere, and then you could see basically sanctions. But I think basically what you're looking at is 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 a marathon rather than a a, a sprint. But I don't think they're going to go. So I think basically they're going to go a legal, uh, institutional kind of uh, way. I think they're going to say that okay, uh, you know, all these institutions that we have now are clearly not working; that they should be changed. Um, I, I, and I think they're gonna they're gonna go at it from from that angle, and I think that they're gonna get there. Now I don't expect it to happen tomorrow, but again, I think that you know the world has changed completely. Uh, the world will continue to be um, you know uh, you know change, and I think you know U.S. dollar dominance is finished. I think um, you know Western whatever you want to call it is finished. I think that you know financialization in terms of the West and you know their it, it def- certainly comes-
0: will be. I mean, it's interesting timing that China has taken over the presidency of the Security Council, uh, uh, and 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 has delivered after forty days uh, the first UN Security Council resolution that passed. Uh, addressing what there was agreed on, an extended humanitarian pause for a sufficient number of days Uh, uh, as curated with China uh, in the presidential seat of the Security Council. Be interesting to see how they use their muscle in that seat to move this forward, as you say, maybe more a marathon than a sprint. But hopefully uh, there is some serious uh, efforts on a ceasefire because God knows it's needed. Uh, Let's wrap it up there. Brent crude trading up this morning WTI as well it looks like there's an upward motion in prices as long as OPEC plus has its finger on the button of possible extended cuts don't be short this market this week is the warning i suppose and and, and the saudi energy minister has been uh, noted in the past to Ouch, the markets. Ouch, the shorts. And I'm sure he's willing to do it again. Thank you so much to our speakers this morning, Kieran Gallagher in Bahrain, Malia Bengali in London, and Omar Dejia in Dubai. Have a great week, everyone, and thank you for your time this morning. All the best.